and welcome to Property Matters on Dublin South FM with myself, Carol Tallon. You can contact us on social media at iPropertyRadio or email hello at iPropertyRadio.com. First up today, I'm joined by Pat David, CEO of IPAV, Ireland's Institute of Professional Valuers. Pat, let's talk about Ireland's rental market. There's been a lot happening in the last week and IPAV has been making news. You might just talk us through the report that was commissioned by yourselves and the Irish Property Owners Association. Yeah, Carol, uh, good afternoon and thanks very much for having me on your, your show today or your podcast today. Yeah, listen, the report, we, we commissioned a report uh, by Jim Power, but it was on the back of a survey we did with our members jointly between ourselves, the Institute of Professional Auctioneers Evaluators and the Irish Property Owners Association on mostly the rental market and the state of the rental market and RPZs. We were very seriously concerned about RPZs and what's happening inside of the RPZs. Um, so that we went out to our members with a set of questions and needless to say, um, a lot of the information we got back was was very, very uh it was very telling in what's happening inside of the RPZs right now. And then we put the information together and we got Jim Power, the well-known economist, to write an economic report on it, which he reported on the rental market and the property market as it is at the moment. And we launched it last Wednesday in Buzzwells there in the press room. And we invited, obviously, uh, correspondents and television, and uh, we invited TDs and uh, Shanadors, the Oireachtas members, to come to it, and indeed members of the different departments as well as that, uh, to come to it. So um, we had quite a large crowd at it, as you probably have seen from some of the correspondents uh, and some of the TDs and senators that were there, uh, and quite a lot of correspondents and questions with them, actually, on the day which uh, would lead you to believe that it was very helpful to them from what they have heard. So basically the big, uh, I suppose, uh, issue that we wanted to look at was rent pressure zones and more so as to what's happening inside them. And I think at the outset, I think we should say that either ourselves, the IPAV or the IPOA uh, are in favour uh, of the rent pressure zones. And we're not looking to take the rent pressure zones away. But what we are looking at is, is the treatment of landlords inside of those RPZs. And we don't believe that uh, the treatment of them at the moment is what actual government decided that they were going to do, or this was the treatment that they wanted to dish out to them in the beginning when they set up the RPZs. And many of the people that we interviewed, over 90% of them, feel that what's happening inside of the RPZs at the moment is unconstitutional. So that it's interesting to think and to see what people have to say. So basically the uh, rent pressure zones and the rents for landlords, and that was really the nub of where we were. So we were looking at some landlords getting paid X amount of rent and some landlords getting paid Y amount of rents and some landlords getting paid a different amount of rent altogether. So we really came to the conclusion that there's at least two uh, forms of rent inside of the rent pressure zones and maybe even a third one uh, for renters and then we came to the conclusion of with all of this um, why are landlords leaving at a time when rents are the highest that they've ever been why would landlords um, non-institutional landlords decide to leave the market because you'd imagine that's what they're after is huge rents high rents uh, getting good value for their property it uh, brings up the investment value of the property so why would they want to be leaving the market and that's really what we were after Carol. Yeah, there's there's so much of what you've said there that we definitely need to unpack it because one is down to um, the, what what is amounting to affordability in the marketplace. Um, but actually talking about the tax treatment um, and um, so the differential treatment 
uh, is that something that we're definitely going to get on to. Um, by the way, I'm glad you referenced the, the survey as well, because I actually found the survey of your members and um, the Irish Property Owners Association members was a really interesting facet of this that didn't get a lot of coverage around the news because, um, as always, the, the headlines kind of um, the headlines tend to dictate the narrative. So look, let's roll back a little bit here. Um, so the, obviously the headlines last week were pretty controversial um, that the report was claiming government measures to control rents had backfired and in many cases had actually led to an increase in rents. So do you want to maybe talk us through the findings of the report? Is that uh, is that headline accurate? Yeah, that headline is accurate because um, like basically we found that the new properties coming into the rent pressure zones, which are, uh, they, they, they were allowed to come in and charge basically what rent they felt uh, they wanted to charge for properties. Now, uh, I know you're, you're going to speak to me about market rent and, 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 and all of this, but uh, they basically are allowed to do that. And the reason being, we were told at the time was to bring new properties into the marketplace, to encourage new properties into the marketplace. And that's fine. And that's all a good idea and everything like that. But in actual fact, after since 2016, if we're looking at how many new properties has this produced, how, how many properties are in the marketplace now as opposed to in 2016, we can't see anything extra. So we believe that there are no extra properties in the marketplace. Uh, what has happened is that extra properties may well have had come in and they've come in at rents that are even, in our opinion, above market rent, the current market rent. They're above those rents uh, and the landlords at the very bottom of the RPZs who have been charging rents to uh, maybe preferred tenants, you might want to call them, or uh, maybe tenants that they were happy with at the time. They weren't charging market rent, which is very, very easy to see. Those tenants and those landlords are actually gone out of the marketplace, or an awful lot of them are going out of the marketplace. So the, the properties that they are taken out have been replaced by higher rents. So basically what has happened in the RPZs is that a lot of the landlords at the lower end of the market have moved on or are moving on out of the marketplace. And a lot of properties at the higher end of the market have moved in so that uh, it's basically new properties have come in many old ones have gone out and now what's where we are is that all of those ones that have gone out are being replaced by much higher rents so that if we did a survey to find out what was the average rent in 2016 and what is it today taking the new properties and the old properties into being i'd say that you could find that there could be maybe well over 100 percent of a difference and maybe even more than that so um, that's what has happened, Karen. Pat, I, you said something kind of that, that I think really resonates with this, that you don't believe the government meant for, for this to be the consequence, but yet uh, this is what has been the fallout of implementing the rent pressure zones the way they have been implemented. Um, so I, I think it's, it's a very, what was very clear from the report is that um, we've been we've been reading for years about this mass exodus of private landlords from the market, um, and we know that that already was putting pressure on the supply. So the fact that you know part of the argument was well, institutional landlords are coming in and filling that gap, but what's very clear is that they're absolutely not filling that gap. They're almost creating a a, a different market or rental experience. So um, they're fulfilling a part of the market but not filling the gaps left behind maybe by private landlords and look I, I think it was a point that 
um, you made very well, actually, and, and uh, as did all of the, the commentary around the report, that this is not about pitting one type of landlord against the other, because I think it was you that pointed out both are needed, but they need to be treated equally and fairly. And policymakers haven't delivered on that. And I, I agree with you. I don't think that was their intention, but it has been the consequence. And we know that that's actually leading uh, or certainly putting pressure on private landlords that are still looking to exit the market. But do you believe that there's any there's any rollback likely to happen on this to change it? Well, I think the government, they need to take the lid off the rental market and see actually what's going on in it. And I don't believe that they know. And I don't believe the housing department knows what's actually going on in the, how, in the, in, in the rent pressure zones. And I think they need to stand back you need to lift off the cap and have a look and see who's doing what and for what reasons. And I think if you do that, then you will see exactly what's happening. And then if you see exactly what's happening, then you can decide on, yes, well, that's the policy we like. Oh, no, that's not the policy we like. We didn't mean to go down this road. This was the road we meant to go down. So I think clear picture as to what the, why the rent pressure zones were brought in in the first place needs to be looked at. See, did that picture change? And if that did, picture didn't change, then we need to see what has happened that has got out of control because it has got out of control. There's no doubt about that. We talked to the government. Actually, we were the first body, the IPAF, in 2018 that uh, talked about landlords leaving the market and we issued a statement on it. Indeed, it was printed by one of the national newspapers and some of the writers at that particular time uh, gave us a bit of stick over it because they said that this was only uh, for a few landlords. You know, we had only 90 members that actually uh, uh, corresponded with us on the report. But one of the landlords at the time said that a uh, lot of landlords were leaving the marketplace. But in actual fact, from then to now, we're still at the same thing. And now our members tell us that two out of every three secondhand sales that they're doing are from landlords that's leaving the marketplace, which is absolutely a huge figure. And that figure, unless we're going to do something about it, we're going to be left in a situation where private landlords that have a two-bedroom apartment here, a three-bedroom apartment there, or a three-bedroom semi somewhere else and some different streets and all that sort of thing will be gone. And we'll be left with people who have got uh, the institutional investors that have got huge blocks of property in different areas, and they'll be the only places that people can go to rent and to live in uh, because the private landlords will be gone. Private landlords typically... A landlord is somebody who buys, you don't have to buy a number of properties. One property is all you have to buy. And you're a landlord. You're not an accidental landlord. You actually go and buy a property and you rent it. So you're a landlord. And uh, like people call them accidental landlords and all this sort of thing, which is incorrect. So you are a landlord if you buy one property. And the people that buy one property and have one property are in the majority of the tenants at the, or the, of the leases at the moment and the landlords that the RPZ check at the moment. And if those are gone and those one-off properties that we're speaking about are gone, like it's going to be very difficult for people to rent properties, eh, whether it's at the lower end of the market or whether it's at any end of the market. So that like those people are needed in the marketplace and the government needs to see why they're leaving. They need to look at our report to see why they're leaving, which the first reason, the biggest reason is that landlords can't charge the bottom end of the market, can't charge market rent for the property. Now, market rent is it's like a piece of string, you know, how long is it? Uh, market rent typically uh, what one would and, and in the blue book like for instance if you look at the definition of it it's it's typically uh, what people are paying in the marketplace for a property providing that they can put uh, comparisons with it and the normal comparisons would be three so that if you look at the market rent in the in the RPZ at the moment there's landlords at the bottom of the marketplace which are earning probably uh, probably 
I'd say 50 and 60% below market rent for their properties. And many other landlords are earning market rent. And then we have the institutional investors coming in on top of that, which say that they're charging market rent because that's the rent they can get for the property. Now, if that's, if that's market rent, then even the people in the middle aren't even charging market rent. So like, you know, market rent, there is a definition for it. And the government needs to look at that definition. Like, you know, they have it in the act, as you know, but they need to look at what that definition is to decide on current market rent. What is it? Like we're valuers, we can tell them what it is. And we know what market rent is. And anybody that's valuing properties on an ongoing basis knows what market rent is. And it isn't what people are charged, being char allowed to charge at the bottom end of the market. And it isn't, I believe, what people are allowed to charge at the top of the market. So yeah. that what, what's yeah. in the uh, middle Pat, is what it is. I, I might just put something to you there. In response to your report, the Department of Housing, and I'm saying you're obviously um, IPAV's report, but um, in response, the Department of Housing did actually issue a statement that was published on RTE. And the department does, as it, as it always does in this type of scenario, um, recognises, they, they talk about how they recognise the need to retain small landlords and that the, the government will support the continued participation of small scale landlords in the market. Um, but there was something that I thought was interesting, right? First of all, it said the government will keep the operation of the Residential Tenancies Act, including its rent control provisions under constant review uh, with a view to making changes. However, they specifically noted that the Residential Tenancies Act prohibits the setting of a rent that exceeds market rent in all cases, regardless of whether the property lies within a rent pressure zone and regardless of whether the tenancy is new or existing. Now, I wasn't familiar with this. Um, can you explain that to me? Because if market rent can't be exceeded outside of pressure, rent pressure zones, then what was the idea of introducing rent pressure zones? If, if it is contrary to the Residential Tenancies Act that any rent is set that exceeds market rent, irrespective of where in the country it is or whether the tenancy is new or existing? Well, I suppose it's again about the definition of market rent, what market rent is, and there is a definition for market rent, and the government should be well aware, the Department of Housing should be well aware of what that definition is. And I can say that the market rent, that rent's being charged at the moment for new properties coming into the market is well above market rent. And I know that, and anybody that's in the marketplace knows that. It does not comply with the uh, definition under the blue book. I'm not sure about the red book, but under the blue book of European valuation standards, it does not comply with that as market rent. And the government need to be like, it's fine issuing these statements and saying these things that's supposed to happen. But we know that that's actually is not happening in the marketplace because if it was, uh, there would be no need for us to be talking about the market rent if everybody could charge it. Like, you know, it's ridiculous to say that people aren't charging only mark or only charging market rent because they're not. Market rent typically would need the corresponding comparables to go with it. And if you go to rent a new property, I don't know where you're going to find new comparables to go with it because there aren't any there. Like, you know, that's exactly what we're speaking about. So what they're talking about in that statement, which we will write to them and ask them to explain, uh, is, is not correct. It's correct for properties that are sitting 
in the RPZs that you cannot increase them unless you get your three comparables, which is fair enough. But for other rents, which is new properties coming into the marketplace, they can be rented as far as I can see and our members can see and members of the IPOA can see can be rented at whatever rent you can get for them. And that may be in the person's eye that owns that apartment. It may be market rent. But if you landed in the high court before the before the uh, judge or something like that, they, we would very soon find out whether it was or wasn't market rent because the comparables wouldn't be there. Yeah. And the report, you mentioned it at the top of the interview, the report um, essentially showed how, uh, our, how government measures have led to what is effectively an inefficient two-tier system. Um, and I think most people certainly in recent years would be familiar with a, a two-tier rental market in terms of, and again, this is not about pitting one type of investor over the other because absolutely there's a need for both. However, one thing I thought that was very interesting from the report is that it's not just a case of uh, this is the rent that's being charged. So it's not just about affordability issues in the marketplace for tenants. It was also about um, the income coming in. So you mentioned it there, and we know from the most recent uh, residential tenancy board reports um, over the, the last six months that we know that um, by far the majority of um, investors in Ireland and landlords in Ireland, and I mean it was in the 80, 80 plus percent own two or two or fewer properties. So as in one or two properties, mm. and the majority of those have income or, or profit below 1000 euros per month. So what we see here is actually um, this inability to properly maintain rental properties, which is going to feed into the quality of stock. And so, yes, we're talking about uh, landlords exiting because they're not able to achieve the rental income, but it's not a case of it being worth their while. It's a case that they can't keep the rental properties to the minimum standards required if they don't have the, the um, income coming in to cover the maintenance of, of properties. And that just seems like something that hasn't been entered into, into the conversation. And that's why I was saying that actually outside of this report, which obviously was massively insightful, what I found really interesting was that, you, you know, you said yourself, this comes off the back of a survey of IPAV and IPOA members that was carried out at the same time. And this was not a small number of 90 landlords. This was, you know, much closer to 900 respondents. And that was really stark. And I don't know if that got much press coverage last week, but 94% of these, you know, almost 900 landlords um, interviewed uh, and property owners interviewed, 94% blame recent government policy and regulatory changes for negatively um, impacting on their attitude to continue as a landlord. I, it's not surprising that 80% felt the government's treatment of institutional funds uh, compared to non-institutional uh, investors. You know, I, I think there's, there's a very obvious um, unfairness in the market. But of, of the 94% that are, that are feeling um, negatively disposed to their properties after choosing to be landlords, but the really shocking thing was that 57% are planning to sell their properties if they're located within the rent pressure zones, and 91% said that they or their landlord clients will not invest further in the sector. 57% of those who are left are planning to sell and will not invest further in the sector. What is that going to do to our private rental market? Well, it's going to wipe it out. It's as simple as that. And what's worse about all this, Carl, is 
that the uh, RTB, which are the body that uh, acts on behalf of the government to regulate all of the rental issues at the moment, the RTB figures are not up to date with how many actual landlords are in the marketplace. So the RTB at the moment could not tell you if you ask them uh, how many landlords are in the marketplace at the moment. Their latest figures were for 2020. Now, they should have those figures up to date every month. They should press a button on their computer and they should be able to tell you or me or any government minister or anything else. So the Minister for Housing is working, at, as far as I can see at the moment, in a vacuum. He does not know and he's not aware of how many actual live tenancies are in the marketplace at the moment. And I'll tell you now why that's so important. Because it has only come to light uh, very, very recently that tenancies, if somebody sells their property, if you were a landlord, Carol, and you sell your property, most people sell their property and they move on with themselves and that's the end of it. They don't actually, even though the tenant has gone out of the property, they don't actually cancel that tenancy with the RP or the RPD or with the P PRTB, the RTB. They don't actually cancel that tenancy. So the RTB are working on figures showing all of those tenancies as still being live. And when the minister gets those figures, as he did in 2020, we don't know how many of those are actually those landlords that have moved out of the marketplace. So we don't know how many of those figures are actually live. So I would believe that there could be as much as a third of those figures actually gone, finished. The leases are gone. Okay. So actually they're talking about 300,000 at the moment. There may only be 200,000. We don't now, actually know now that. that we're moving now that we're moving to annual registration of tenancies, even existing tenancies, which most landlords that I've spoken to are not in favor of. They see this as an extra layer of burden. Do you think that's a good thing from a data collection and reporting point of view? Well, I think it's an extra help to the uh, RTB to be able to do this. And I think any information that gives them the figures that we're looking for, I think is helpful. But at the same time, they're supposed to have these figures. Like, why have we got a body that's registering all the tenancies if they don't have any we have? Like, why have we got a body that's registering all the tenancies if they can't tell you what an average tenancy, uh, what an average amount to rent a one-bedroom apartment is with the tenancies they have and the new ones that's coming in? They can only tell you what tenancies, what the price was in the past three months. And that is not the figure of a tenancy. Like if they tell you that a new tenancy is 2,000 euros in the past three months, the chances are if you take in the lower tenancies, like the lower rentals that people are getting way, way under market value and you, or market rent, and you put them together with the current ones, you probably find that that average figure comes down to 14 or 1,500 euros. And then each three months, then they should be adding to that on the basis of new figures coming in. If you ask them, we've got 1,200 or 1,300 or 2,000 new properties in that three months. Well, how are, how, where did you get them from? They don't know. They can't tell you how many of them are new. They can't tell you how many of them were actually in the marketplace before and they've been re-rented. They can't tell you how many tenants have left and how many of those properties are being re-rented. So the minister is looking at this. He's listening every time these figures comes out in the doll to everybody telling them, giving them their opinion on what's going on actually on the basis of those figures as if it's gospel, which it probably is for that three months, but it's a long way off being gospel of what's happening in the marketplace. And the minister has listened to all this. He's trying to jump between A and B to keep everybody happy and to keep, obviously, public are talking about it as well. And still, he does not know. So he needs to stand back and to have a look at what's actually happening before such time as he decides on action. And when he does, he will be very very surprised at what's going on in the marketplace and if the department of housing know they're not telling him 
he doesn't know. And none of the ministers up to now would know. We asked uh, when the RPSEDs came in in 2016, we proposed to the then minister, Simon Coveney, that he should bring in RPSEDs throughout the whole country and not just bring them in, in a few areas and allow everybody to charge market rent for their property. Set a market rent and allow everybody to charge market rent. And he said, it's too much hassle to bring it in all over the country. It's enough hassle to bring it in, in a few areas, which probably is right. And it probably was enough hassle. But at the end of the day, the fairest way to do it would be to bring the property, bring market or bring the RPSEDs in everywhere and bring them in at market rent because people prior to RPSEDs weren't in charge of market rent. If they were, we wouldn't have this problem. Yeah. So if they left the situation as it was, were people going to go out immediately and start rushing to put their property up to market rent? I don't believe they were. But they have created this problem now that you can't put it up to market rent. You just can't do it. And if you want to do it, you must put out the tenant. You must leave your property out of the market for two years, then bring it in as a new tenancy. And then you can charge market rent, which means that those properties that are out for two years are out of a system where it's starved of properties. And that's the only way you can charge market rent, at least, at least, if he made one small change, and that is to allow landlords, the tenants voluntarily leave their properties. When they go to rent those properties again, they could charge market rent. At least if he did that, it would be some help to the landlords down at the bottom end of the market. But he's not even doing that. So that, like, you know, really, we're in a situation at the moment where we have these, these RPSEDs created. We have created them at the, on the basis of unfair to some landlords because they're not allowed to charge market rents so they're actually subsidizing tenancies for people since 2016 themselves when it's a government job we have tenants who's paying rent who's actually getting money being paid paying their taxes and then paying their rent when any government should look at it on the basis at the moment let them pay their rent gross and then claim their taxes on the rest because they're getting money that money from the landlord anyway yeah like it's really a crazy situation what's happening so we're happy to help. We're there to help. We're there to tell the minister what's happening if he wants to listen. But no representative from the housing department was at that launch last week. Now, not even somebody to see, would they, would they learn something? Would they hear something that they didn't hear before? Uh, nothing like that at all. But it seems to be sort of us and them. And we don't want to be in that situation. We had that launch for people to come and to get information on it, there was somebody from the RP or from the RTB there actually. They did send a representative, but the the the, the general housing department of housing didn't. And I think it would have been helpful for them. And they could have been there to listen and listen to what TDs were asking and senators were asking. Owner Bryn was there, for instance, the Sinn Fein spokesman, Michael Healy Ray. Like you know, there was loads and loads of people. I think maybe fifteen or sixteen uh, TDs and senators there, and many of them asked questions, which were very very sensible questions, wanting to know what was going on in the marketplace. And if people that's in it can't tell the minister what's happening, I don't know how anybody else is. Yeah, some of the figures, though, Pat, that is so well encapsulated there, but some of the figures are just so stark that they shouldn't need it. Um, so, for example, like the share of the private investor participation in the mortgage market has fallen, you know, back in 2006, it was nearly 20% of total mortgage yeah. lending. And last year it fell to 1.4%. yeah. Like that's a huge figure and so on. And that, that they were the figures that we really were doing this survey for, but there were sort of incidentals that we thought were important to put into it. And that is a very, very important figure, like for people looking at the marketplace. And like, you know, no matter how you look at the rental issues, we're not speaking about institutional landlords have a place in the marketplace. Of course they have. 
they're bringing in new properties. But private landlords can bring in new properties as well. They can buy new one-off properties and they can bring them in as well. Now, granted, institutional landlords probably do, uh, from their point of view, in some of their buildings, they have different services and they're providing different services uh, and they're including that in the rent. And are they entitled to charge more rent? Are they entitled to charge for those services? That's, that's I suppose, another question if you're debating market rent. Um, but at the end of the day, if they give extra services and they give different things to people that people, some people want at the top of the market, well, then that's fine. But then the problem is that the middle rental that we're speaking about here at market rent, the next time out, they're going to be moving up to that rent, which again, then becomes market rent because these guys are after making it. So then the next middle people can, if they're renting a new property and coming in like from that point of view, they can charge that rent. Where again, um, like the minister should say, even people that's renting a new property can only charge market rent. They can't charge a new rent that's outside of market rent and they have to have three comparables for it. So like, you know, there's little things that he can do that actually make sense that are going to help a little bit and alleviate some of the landlord's problems. But the whole legislation and the things we have uh, in chronicle or chronological order, we have showed all of the changes to, to the legislation, which are massive to any piece of legislation. Like the minister just keeps changing and changing and changing. If I wanted to change your rent today, I think it's a seven page document I have to write to you. And like, really, like it's, it's to a situation, even when a landlord sends it, it's so legalistic from the point of view of sending it on date sensitive and everything. You're not even sure when you send it that it's actually correct. You want to get, there's a whole, there's a whole sort of, a, you know, a consultant spawned here, a whole business spawned of people making sure that these forms and, 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 and different parts of the legislation are correct that ordinary landlords don't, aren't able to understand. Like it's, it's the whole scenario has gone, it's gone way below the landlord and the ordinary landlord that has those one and two properties that you're speaking about or that goes out and buys a property. Rental should be simple for those people. They should be able to buy a property, rent it to somebody, providing us in a condition to rent, get their rent, pay their taxes and move on. Yeah, That's what they should be able to do. What you're describing there is a functioning is a functioning marketplace. We don't have that. Uh, Pat, I'm conscious of time now, but um, yes. finally, just before we wrap up, um, so obviously this this um, report has been published, and there's there's a whole conversation and conversations spanning out from that. What is the IPAV agenda for the rest of the year? Well, the the IPAV agenda around this particular scenario is that uh, we intend from here. Uh, we, we're going to move on with, with this particular, with what our members have said to us about the constitutionality of this, because it appears the government aren't going to listen to anything else, only maybe uh, us seeing, is it constitutional? Like landlords are, the government making landlords charge a particular rent for a property and not allowing them to charge anymore. And incidentally, Carl, when people put, if I was in a landlord and I thought I was charging too much for my rent, and I decided to charge to you something less because you were two children or you had a family or you were finding it difficult to get uh, to pay the rent or something like that. And I said, look, Carl is a very decent person. And instead of charging her 2000 euros a year or a month, I'm going to charge her 1500 euros a month. I can't bring down that rent down to 1500 euros a month because if I do, then I can't bring it back up again. So in a situation yeah. inside of the RPSEDs where you can't bring down the rent either. So we're in a we're in a situation where you can't bring it down, you can't bring it up, but the lower ones can't bring it up. <laughs> the top ones, just bring in the new ones, can bring in whatever they want. And we're in a situation where these three things are at play. And nobody seems like the, the, the government seemed to be saying, like from what from what they have issued there in their statement, they seem to be saying that there's nothing wrong here. 
There's nothing wrong because they're not looking at it. But they need to look at it to see to see what is wrong and what they can do. But like, you know, so I suppose from what that's the first thing we intend to do. We intend to look at that to see if there is a constitutional issue there or there isn't a constitutional issue. We intend to discuss this. We tried to get on, we tried to get into the Commission on Housing to discuss the actual report itself. Uh, I noticed some of the senators that were at our meeting the other day, they have already looked in the door to have a discussion in the Shannon on housing. So again, that's going to be a big thing. We will bring it to the uh, the, the, the cross-party Oireachtas Committee as well. We will discuss it with them. And I suppose when we do all of those things, we'll see then if we can get a meeting with the minister, if we can discuss some of the points with them, with people in his department as well, and see if they're prepared to make any changes or to make any uh, alterations to it and to try and make it more equitable. If they can do that, Carol, well, then we'll be all be very happy. And if they can't, well, then we're going to get into a situation or continue on the road of landlords leaving the marketplace. Pat, um, I'm, I'm delighted that at least landlords have, I have kind of fighting the good fight because we can see that actually it's important for uh, the affordability for tenants as well. It's never been a case of pitting parties in the rental market against each other. It's actually about creating a functioning market that serves everybody in it, which it has done in the past. That's not an ideal, um, you know, it's not some idealistic thing. It, it has done in the past. We just need to get it there again. Um, thank you for the work that you're doing and thank you for taking the time today to explain it to us. We need to take a quick break. Stay tuned. <laughs>